You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. We can de-risk a lot of the exploration. So that is what, what we know exists between 400 and 800 million uh, NPV tenants. On an intrinsic value, then, what would that translate into approximately on a per share basis? Um, it would be about, um, I think it was uh, four to five bucks. And you discover something, one TCF. This is the blue sky. What does that translate into on a per share basis? Yeah, it'll be at least 10 bucks. And we are drill ready. And if we, um, it's an exploration location. And if we hit a, um, a similar type deal, even, a, even a, a small deal compared to what we see south of the border, uh, our shares are, are multiples of $10 value, right? If you're talking 50 million barrels recoverable, 100 million barrels recoverable, 100 million barrels will have a, um, a value, you know, like a market cap value, basically a four to $5 billion. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's show, we are doing a follow-up interview with CEO Art Halloran of Trillion Energy. We featured this company about two weeks ago, and there was a nice about 200% run in the stock. It's experienced a pullback since then. So there have been questions that have come in, both from listeners as well as some of my friends that are texting me, Bill, are you going to sell? What are you going to do? Is there still potential here? And my answer was, I haven't sold anything. And let me explain to you why I think that there's not only a lot of potential, but potentially huge potential that we're going to discuss today. And I learned about this, uh, not just the undervalued nature of the company, but the, the massive, even multi-billion dollar market cap potential in my first call, which was about an hour with Art Halloran. And we didn't cover that in the introductory uh, interview because there's only so much you can cover, but we're going to delve a little bit more into it. We've covered the undervalued nature of the company. If you look at the market cap, it's US about 20 million. But if you were to build the infrastructure that they have today for their natural gas production in the Black Sea off the coast of Turkey, it'd probably cost you close to a half a billion dollars, their cost. And then on an intrinsic value, if you look at the gas reserves, over a dollar per share, yet the shares are trading between 15 and 20 cents US right now. So the undervalued story is there, it's still there. But the growth and the huge blue sky potential is what we're going to delve into more today. So, Art, welcome back onto the program. And for the first question uh, regarding your compensation and skin in the game, some questions came back wanting to know, I believe you have about 6 million shares or so. And the question was, if the company is so undervalued, why didn't Art buy more than only 6 million shares? If we could start there, please. Okay, well, thanks for the second interview. Um, so uh, what I believe, I believe that an investor puts his money into the company waiting for the success. And also as a CEO, I believe the same thing. And if I don't believe in myself, how can I get other people to believe in my story? So the reason why I have 6 million shares is that I initially was an independent uh, director before I took the company over. And so when I became the CEO, I didn't have very many shares, but at the same time, I only charged a minimum wage when I started because I thought, why draw $25,000 a month um, from the start? 
if I'm still working at it, like why should I get paid if the investors don't? So I charge between eight to 10 grand a month. And that's the wage that I get. I My wage will increase to 13 grand uh, a month once I drill the first well on the SCSB. And then it goes to 25 grand a month when the first phase, those uh, undeveloped uh, discoveries are on production. So I, I get paid the same for my successes as the shareholders do. So getting back to the why I have 6 million shares, um, I converted 90% of my wages into shares. I paid invoices and um, um, put money into the company. I converted that into the shares. And so, well, you only make eight to 10 grand a month and you convert it into shares. It's a slow build. Whereas I could have said, I'm going to pay $25,000 a month because I have 40 years experience. I have a PhD for the last three and a half years. I got 25 grand a month. I converted it all to shares and I would have a zillion, a zillion shares, which would not be fair to the shareholder because my payday is their payday. And Art, at that time, we should also point out that you used your own money when you said you converted invoices into shares. You used your own money for some of those initial studies to help move the project forward, right? That's correct. So, so for like key studies that we needed for the engineering report, um, we couldn't raise the cash. So if I didn't use my money, we'd probably be still in that position right now. So I used my money to pay for the, some of the seismic uh, reprocessing and, and remapping so that we would have that data for the engineering report. And when you look at the engineering report, um, that added a couple of hundred million dollar value. And it's and it's just because it's a report, but it's credible third party. Whereas before us just saying it has no credibility. Art, the second question that came in was, how can this be so undervalued? And part of that goes to how you acquired the SASB project and how it's not reflected on your books. Could you give us a brief, succinct uh, answer for this, please? We purchased a $300 million asset for about $2.7 million. So this was the subco, but because there was virtually no um, reserves left in SASB, and there was no value really attached to it. We were given advice by um, auditors and also people who know a lot about the security laws and so on. They said, if we have no reserves, because remember, we didn't have that report. We have no reserves, then we have to write off uh, the asset, right? And now the fact that we have the reserves back on, we are now looking at getting legal advice of putting that asset back on the books. The comment was you can't have a couple of hundred million dollar asset if you have no reserves attached to it, right? Whereas now we do have the reserves attached to it. So the reserves you factor into your intrinsic value that you've shared is over a dollar per share US, and this is at the SASB project. You told me you view this project as the engine of the company. As in September of this year, if all goes as planned, you're going to be starting to receive 1 million plus cash flow per month. But we didn't delve into, in our last interview, the growth potential that you see here. Talk to us about in 18 months, what type of cash flow are we looking at? Yeah, so when I always, our initial talk, I was talking about the actual um, drilled, not produced pools. So we have four of those, 
And so all our numbers are 1.4, $1.8 million cash flow per month comes from um, those ones. But we have another six um, development locations that will be equivalent to those four. It just that it had a slight more, it, you can't say they're 100% there because they were not tested and drilled, but they're identical and we have an 80% success rate. So we'll continue to drilling those and those will be um, added on. And so we should be up to, you know, four, $4 million per month uh, cash flow. And also another thing that came up is that we will, um, three or four of the, well, actually three of the locations we will end up doing uh, first. And those, those three locations alone will generate us 1.4, up to $1.4 million a month cash flow. But over 24 months, it's an average of a million dollars per month, just from those three, three actions. And then there's growth that you see as a PhD geologist of four decades of doing this. Talk a little bit more about the blue sky growth that you can see that may not be reflected on paper yet. When you have an engineering report, there's a lot of, um, I call paper cutting. So if you just take the regular engineering report that we have of the um, developed, sorry, proven developed locations that we haven't produced and also the prospects, it um, gives us a net value of about $157 million. But in that, they penalize 10% by saying, if we don't get the money, right? And at the same time, they use very pessimistic recovery factors of as low as 56% recovery. That means of the 100% gas that we have mapped, we only recover 56%, but we already have experience from the four fields. So we know what it's gonna do. So just changing those two numbers um, for a um, 2P type um, reserve and so on, we've already upped it to $230 million. From 157 to 230 million by spending no more money, just by putting the correct recovery factors in it and removing a penalty that shouldn't exist because if we get the money, that penalty isn't there, right? And then, and then the, high, the high side, it's up to $400 million. That's our percent. That is just using their reports and changing a few of the paper numbers, right? We also have um, um, expiration that we have on the block and some of the risk factors they use for the development locations or well, I won't get into it, but once we start correcting that and the expiration locations, we're going to uh, de-risk because we're going to start redoing the seismic. Um, again, middle of the road, 2P conservative, gives us a value of over $400 million. And the high end is up to $800 million. And that is just from the targets that we have identified. Um, a lot of that ad is just paper ads. And then the expiration is uh, uh, re redo the seismic because it was good quality seismic, but it was reprocessed with um, older methods. We have new methods now, and then we can de-risk a lot of the expiration. So that is what, what we know existed between 400 and 800 million uh, NPV-10. On an intrinsic value then, what would that translate into approximately on a per share basis? 
Um, it would be about, um, I think it was uh, four to five bucks. Because if, if the value is about a dollar, dollar twenty-five, or one hundred and fifty-six million, four hundred, four hundred million, you could say, you know, three times that, four times that, because it's between four hundred to eight hundred million. Art, in this past week, I scheduled a call with one of your key shareholders, and I just wanted to know why they invested in your company and understand from their perspective the blue sky potential. Uh, this key shareholder owns millions of shares, and he's been invested in Trillion since two thousand fifteen. And his average cost basis is actually higher than where the shares are at, trading at today. And I said, okay, so tell me why you're still holding on to your shares. Let's start with the SASB. And I was using a five to six multiple uh, times your cash flow to try to calculate an approximate market cap of where you might go. In his perspective, he said, Bill, I'm hoping for a 15 times multiple because with energy stocks, if you can show the blue sky potential, the market often rewards you with a 15 times multiple. Um, that was music to my ears. The second thing he said is because we're only 80 kilometers south of the biggest natural gas discovery, a 14 TCF natural gas discovery uh, in Europe, the biggest one in 30 years, he says, I'm expecting and hoping for somewhere between a one to three TCF natural gas discovery, because he said anything above a one is world class. Okay, assuming he he's right, and you discover something one TCF, this is the blue sky, what does that translate into on a per share basis? Yeah, it'll be at least 10 bucks. 10 bucks in addition to what the value already in the company. Yeah, and you can see though, if I, if I say five to six and he says 15, shows you I'm a pessimistic guy. Right, you're, you're, a, you're a geologist. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm, I'm being pessimistic for 10 bucks. Well, you've gone through the academic rigor and rigor and, you know, they don't let you just put anything on an academic paper, right? You have to have footnotes and just, it has yeah. to be justified. Yeah. Um, that's, what, that's another reason why I wanted to get a couple of different perspectives. Okay, so we've talked about the cash flow. And last thing before we leave the SASB gas field, uh, your production is about 235 per MCF, right? But you're going to be paid, you expect, about $7 per MCF, which is multiples of what North American gas producers get. Yeah, that, that's correct. And like I said, there was a crunch for the COVID, but every month, January, February, March, we have uh, received a price increase in our gas in, in Turkey. And we project that the trend will, will um, continue. And when you talk about the large discovery um, at the, you know, 80 kilometers north, with our seismic, and there's some 2D seismic lines in it and so on, on our block, we're going to be looking for a deeper potential because we have the same source rocks and um, you know, the idea is we have to look for the reservoir rocks. But at the same time now, uh, we are going to uh, apply for a technical evaluation permit and maybe a, a 100,000 hectares. And what that does, I guess, is the ability to um, take a large piece of land around and on our block, but specifically around our block, and do um, ge geological studies to evaluate for similar type prospects that we have on our block, but also for deeper and different uh, type of deposits that potentially could be a lot, a lot larger. Mm -hmm. 
And the second blue sky potential that you have brought to my attention in our first call and that uh, this key shareholder brought to my attention was your Derek uh, oil exploration project in southern Turkey. Um, before I share what he said, could you walk us through what gets you excited about this project? Yeah, okay. So part of Turkey has a little, um, ju it juts down into uh, the northern Iraq geological province. And that's where the Zagros Basin occurs, or part of the Zagro Basin occurs. And in that basin, you have um, the huge fields. So you'll have 300 million barrels recoverable, 100 million barrels recoverable, 50 million barrels recoverable, a billion barrels, production of 100,000 barrels per day. And it's just progressed from the, um, the flat to more the rolling hills where they had to control and is moving north. And that was fairly close to our, our block. We have the same geology. We have the same reservoirs, the same source rocks. Um, we have oil seeps that the oil has been tested, which is identical to the oil that's produced um, in, the, in the northern Iraq. And we have a location there that's defined by seismic we own 100%. We have a large, a large uh, land holding, and we are drill ready. And if we, um, it's an exploration location. And if we hit a um, a similar type field, even a, even a, a small field compared to what we see south of the border, uh, our shares are are multiples of ten dollar value, right? If you're talking fifty million barrels recoverable. 100 million barrels recoverable. 100 million barrels will have a, um, a value, you know, like a market cap value, basically a four to $5 billion. And our market cap is 20 million today, yeah, just to put things correct. in perspective. Yeah. So that was why he was getting excited. And he was pointing out to me some discoveries that occurred south of the Turkey border right there in not as good of a jurisdiction that received billions of dollars of market cap that was added because of their oil discoveries. So talk to us about the benefit of being north of the Turkey border versus south in Northern Iraq, where things are much more unstable and less economically favorable for the companies working there. Yeah, okay, so the two issues, one is uh, fiscal. So we pay 12.5% royalty and a 20% corporate tax. So if we were to find uh, say a 50 million barrel field on our side, if you cross the border, you would need about 150 to 200 million barrel field. That's how, how different the fiscal regimes are. There's a back-end clause, there's R factors, there's high royalties. So that alone um, makes a big difference. And then also for security, we're in Turkey. Uh, Turkey is a EU country, it's part of NATO, and we have a very secure area and that's why we can drill a well for $10 million, whereas south of the border, you're talking uh, a lot of multiples for that, that cost. And that cost to drill it would be $10 million. And the time frame um, isn't it uh, next year, 2022, where you want to test that? Yeah, we have to. Right now, we have an extension due to COVID. And so we, we would really have to drill a well um, in 2022. But and that's where, where you have referred to the SASB project as the engine. That's the cash flow engine that's going to allow you to further explore not just the SAS, 
uh, B field and the surrounding licenses, but to pursue this Derek license here and this potentially multi-billion dollar exploration play. Yeah, that's correct. I've seen too many companies what I call a shot in the dark. They build their whole company on a really high, high risk, but potentially high return um, project or prospect. But like you say, I have, you know, I have a PhD, I have a lot of experience and it's like a 10% chance. It's a good 10%, but you can't, you can't uh, secure a company on that. So if we're successful, we have a very high value for the shares. If we're not, we get to write it off our income. It affects the company, not at all. And that money is generated from SESB. And there's other opportunities like this in, uh, in this area that we can use. SESB to generate the cash, give us stable stability, give us a nice growth for our shares. And then we have this um, these high, high impact exploration type prospects. And as a shareholder, would it be accurate for me to refer to it as a free oil option? I mean, yeah, that that's create, correct. Yep. It's a free yep. option because the value is there in SASB yep. alone, but you're going to use that to just basically buy an oil lotto ticket for me, right? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot going on over the next 18 months. Uh, we've covered the undervalued story. Now you've seen the growth and the blue sky potential here. This is why I haven't sold any of my shares as the shares went up 200%, but they're on sale again. They pulled back a little. So if you want to learn more, go to the company's website, which is in the show notes. And the ticker symbol in uh, Canada is TCFF. And in on the OTC in the States, it's TCF. Art, really appreciate you coming uh, back on the show to explain things further, and we'll be touching base with you again soon. Okay, thank you very much. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.